I'm Ethan Finley, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by cub a store with food i'm steve mcpherson and i am joined as ever by cal williams cal last night was the uh the expansion draft uh today is wednesday uh last night we saw inter miami cf is that correct yes and nashville sc so not an fc amongst them mm-hmm. uh anyways make some picks uh for the expansion draft uh What's give me your first your first impressions? First, let's just talk about the expansion draft as a thing. Like this comes in the wake of knowing that the super draft is no longer going to be sort of the televised event that it had been, and that sort of makes sense. Um, obviously, the the expansion draft was also not, you know, it wasn't like a full on production. But Nashville obviously took it as an opportunity to sort of, you know, they had a concert and they had a stage and they had guests and. They had Mookie Betts from the Red Sox come and announce a pick. And, and Inter-Miami was much more just sort of like, okay, we're just going to tell you what we're doing in front of a backdrop. So the sort of distinctions, it's interesting because Inter, you know, is, is looked at as like they're going to be splashy, right? Um, but I think Inter sort of read the room and were like, it's an expansion draft. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Nashville, obviously a smaller market. They're looking to like make the most they can of like whatever opportunities they have. And so they sort of threw a big party. Different approaches. What were what was your feeling about the expansion draft as a draft, as a as an event? Well, I got uncontrollably giddy um, because it was the first bit of MLS we've had for a little while. So um, you missed it that bad. I was excited. Yeah, <laughs> um, I sat in the video production room with with a couple of our uh, our video editors and, and producers, and um, uh, was thoroughly enthralled by it. Um, you know, and and especially when Mike Jacobs, the, the GM of, of Nashville. Um, said to uh, the host uh, that, you know, we would be, uh, we're, we're going to take this player, but we're actually going to be trading him and it'll be announced a little later on as to what for. Yeah. I, I actually started sort of giggling, you know, I was just like, this, this is just hilarious. This is so major league soccer. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Um, yeah. It, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. We're, we'll get into all the sort of analysis of that, the, the picks and then the, mm. the, the, um, the trades that happened afterward a little bit. I, just to sort of lead in, I did want to ask you one thing I hadn't really considered, uh, but became quickly apparent as as the the draft began happening. To what extent do you feel like the teams made some selections based on a sort of chess match of when you take a certain player, it takes that team off the board for the other team? Um, you know, with with Inter sort of opening with Ben Sweat, you know, that took Jesus Medina off the board, who was obviously one of the more desirable possible pieces there. Do you think that factored into their decisions about who they were taking where? Absolutely, it did. Absolutely, 100%. The fact that Ben Sweat went first, I thought, first of all, very good signing. Mm -hmm. It's a really smart signing because um, fullback, particularly left-back in this league, has proven to be an issue. Yep. Um, There aren't many of of major quality. There's some good ones in the league, no doubt, but in terms of them being at the next level, there aren't too many. I'd consider Ben Sweat to be a a very good left-back um, you know, played a, a lot for NYCFC, a team that finished towards the the upper echelons of the Eastern Conference, um, and and has you know flirted with with the U.S. national team over the course of the last year or two. So, yeah, uh, good pick. Um, straight away, I thought to myself, "Ha, huh, 
because I I I thought to myself a, a really sensible pick for Nashville would have been uh, Ibiaga, the centre half, mm-hmm. who would I think it start he started twenty five or twenty six games for NYCFC, and uh, was left unprotected for whatever reason. I you know. Big body, um, no nonsense type centre half. I thought As you, he's like mid twenties, right? I think yes, he's like domestic, so, yeah. not particularly expensive as well. Thought he would have been the perfect pick for Nashville. So as soon as Ben Sweat was selected, I thought, hmm, here we go. The mind yeah. games are starting already. Yeah, so, yeah. Between between uh, him and Jesus Medina, I felt like there was definitely some of that that element. Of, I'm gonna we're taking this guy Ben Sweat, great pick, but it also keeps the other team from going for any of those guys. And then obviously Nashville SC first pick. Took Abu Dhanladi, mm. um, Minnesota United's Abu Dhanladi. Um, what's your What's your feeling on that? Um, maybe a little bit about you know your experience with Abu and Abu's experience with the team, and and what you think this augurs for him going forward. I say this with all due respect. It, it probably was the best situation for the team that was sort of within the realm of of realism and, and, and realistic, if you will. Um, because they were never going to take somebody like Miguel Ibarra because of his his large contract, um, unless they negotiated it down, I guess. Um, I, I thought maybe Brent Coleman would have been of interest, mm-hmm. um, but then you know there was an array of centre halves that that, quite frankly, are, are are better, if not just as good as as Brent, that were cheaper. Um, and and the the obvious one I th- I thought that that they may very well take was was Ethan Finlay. I thought that was an, an obvious one to to go for. Um, and um, the fact that they took a boo so early suggested that perhaps Inter Miami had a, a little bit of an interest as well. Um, look, a boo this year for me. Um, this is why I think it's good for Minnesota. A boo has been on a, a generation Adidas contract for the last three years, meaning that Adidas actually pays wages and the league pay a portion of it. Minnesota don't. Mm-hmm. That would have changed this year. I'm not sure on the exact number, but I think it was over $200,000 that he was earning a year. That's what I've heard as well. So to not have that expense on, let's be honest, somebody moving forward who was more than likely going to be number three center forward at best, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, I also think it's very good for Abu. Yeah. I think things got a little stale for him here. I think uh, a new scenery... Um, a new uh, set of players to work with, uh, a new set of coaches to work with. I, I think we'll do him the world of good. The, the one thing I will say about Abu now, though, so we've been lucky enough to deal with him for the last couple of years. Lovely individual, mm-hmm. nice kids, um, perhaps a little bit too nice at times. Um, I didn't really see enough of the uh, of a nasty Abu Dunladi, which I think would have helped him. Sure. Um, one thing I will say now is is I actually think. I would argue he's got to deliver now at Nashville, whether yeah. or not that's um, this year or if he gets a second year or whatever. I, I don't know what his contractual situation will be moving forwards uh, with Nashville SC, but um, Gary Smith, I'm sure, will, will view him as as one of the main centre forwards. And if he if he does view him in that light, if he starts, you know, 30 games, for example, and doesn't have whatever people deem acceptable numbers at, at Nashville, I do wonder where Abu Dunladi's next move will be. Um, mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's, that's um, you know, looking way into the future that we, we don't really need to go um, there just yet. But um, I, I would argue that Abu Dunladi, after two unsuccessful years at Minnesota United, where injuries really did 
plague him and, and halt his career. Uh, I would argue that the next two years are probably the most important of his career so far. Yeah, well, you you know, you look at him and he's uh, 24, I believe, Correct. at this point, yep. um, which is young as a human being, but kind of old for not having sort of shown already some kind of like real drive uh, at, at that point. I mean, you look at players, you know, like Mason Toy, who were like, well, he needs he needs seasoning, but he's also 20. Yes. So, you know, like that, it, there's guys already ahead of him on the curve, you know. Um, you look at guys like, you know, there's just a lot of guys out there. It, international soccer starts starts early, right? So to be 24 and to sort of not have shown sort of like a firm handle on the game in, in some of those ways that we began to see Mason show that handle in terms of timing of his runs. And obviously, you know, it, Abu has been plagued by by injuries, and I think it, it it was tough for him not to be able to get on the field as much as he would probably like. Great guy, again. We'd like to I'd like to emphasize like I've had great conversations with him. Not always he didn't always want to talk about himself, which is also a weird uh, quality in a striker because <laughs> they usually like to talk about themselves um, often. But but when you would sort of could get him to actually talk about soccer, like bright, engaging, you know, fun guy. Um, some players need a fresh start. Sometimes you just need to change, you know, uh, where you are, give it another shot, just come from a different angle, you know, routines get sort of stuck. Relationships get stale, something to freshen things up. I'm sure as one of the players who was constantly wearing a knit cap and gloves almost year round while practicing, he'll enjoy <laughs> Nashville for that element of it. Um, you know, and obviously I think it's, it's a good situation for Minnesota United. Again, you get, uh, you get that 50,000 in allocation money, which, you know, I don't know what the return would have been on trading, just straight up trading a boot on Lottie. Um, you know, you, you avoid having to make that decision about shelling out a whole bunch of money for somebody who you view as maybe a third at best, maybe second, uh, you know, forward. Um, you know, I think it comes at a good time. I think it's I think it's the right thing for Abu probably at this point. It's probably the right thing for Minnesota United at this point. I think it was a, is a good a result from everybody around. And, I, you know, I think it's it, Nashville's going to be fun. It seems like I, 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 I like some of the other things they did. Let's get in. Let's get into some of that. Let's talk about what else Nashville did. Um, I expected them to get a goalkeeper. You know, we sort of think this is a good spot to pick up a goalkeeper. Rarely can teams protect more than one goalkeeper. Um, and they did sort of by way of Zarek Valentin because they traded him to Houston for Joe Willis. He's very good, very good player. He should be good for, for Nashville SC this season. He should. I, I'm not sure entirely on, on the salary um, because this is where I was a little bit confused. And, and you're right, Joe Willis comes into Nashville SC with a tremendous amount of MLS experience. But amongst the goalkeepers available that day, I must admit, I thought somebody like an Evan Bush, yeah. a Brian Rowe, even a Bobby Shuttleworth would have made, made a lot of sense and would have been a really, really good option um, for an expansion team. Um, you know, I, I know we'll get onto it later, but the, the fact that Inter Miami selected Brian Meredith, I thought was a bit strange. I, I understand. I, I want to talk a lot about that one. I don't. You'll have to explain to me why. Well, we'll, we'll get to it we'll later on. But but um, <laughs> I just thought, you know, it's a chance to get a goalkeeper that you can view as your number one yeah. for for a year or two. Yes. And, and then perhaps you know you go and, and get a, a better goalkeeper, whether it's an international goalkeeper or whatever. Much like uh, Minnesota United did with Vito Manone. Um, You know, I. I could have seen, you know, people like Joe Bendick as well, Jeff Attenella. That there were a load of goalkeepers that I considered to be good enough to be number one in Major League Soccer, um, but also have have served a long time as number two as well. So 
Um, I thought there were plenty of options there that they didn't go for. So I was I was quite surprised when Nashville didn't do that. But then it all made sense, as you said, when Zarek Valentin was traded over to the Dynamo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, Joe Willis has been at the Dynamo for a long time as well. So again, another player that will get a new outlook as well, new fresh outlook. They, uh, they also did, there's some sort of complicated math around, they picked Brandon Vasquez, mm. who uh, was at the top of a lot of mock drafts um, as, as, you know, a, a forward who showed something but was stuck between behind Joseph Martinez. Um, so, you know, like I thought, oh, this is good. You get him, you know, you, that, that could be good. But then they moved Brandon Vasquez for 150,000 in TAM in 2020 and 50,000 in GAM in 2021 to FC Cincinnati. This seems good for FC Cincinnati because they had nothing really going forward. So getting a young guy who is, you know, a scorer, that is, that's good for FC Cincinnati. Then this led to trading 125,000 in TAM and 50,000 in GAM to get Zendejas from SKC, mm-hmm. which it, you know, I was reading about this is like, that seems like a lot, except that apparently that deal also came with the provision that SKC Lee left Jimmy Madranda unprotected to bring Madranda in as well. So basically getting Madranda ends in Dejas sort of for that total of Tam and Gam. Um, it's very, it's very confusing. Like a lot of MLS things, um, as far as Jimmy Madranda, you know, obviously a player, he's in again, mid mid twenties, tremendously versatile, played all over the field. Uh, a big guy for SKC a few years ago has struggled with injuries. You know, what do you see from him going forward? Well, the names that you just mentioned, um, it's no surprise to me that they were selected. Um, and, and, and no surprise that, Zendejas ended up, uh, or at least another Kansas City player ended up at Nashville. Uh, Mike Jacobs, the GM, um, I'm not entirely sure what his role was with Sporting Kansas City, but he was a high mm. executive of some sort. Sure. Um, and uh, so it's no surprise to me that that he's taken a couple of players that, that he already knows, um, that he can perhaps rely on, um, and that he may very well trust, um, and, and perhaps even know something that not a lot of other people do as well. You know, Zendejas would very well... Um, you know, work into that conversation. Uh, Zendejas is a, a young goalkeeper that I know a lot of people in Kansas City rate very highly. Um, I, I don't think he was going to get any time anytime soon because of, of Tim Melia. Um, and they have the, the young goalkeeper, Eric Dick, as well, who who is um, doing well at USL level as well. So um, I, I didn't see Zendejas getting any time soon. Um, I'm not convinced he'll get much time at Nashville FC at the moment as well, but that's another debate for another day, I think. Um, sure. So I wasn't surprised, really, um, that some of these Kansas City individuals ended up at Nashville. Jimmy Madranda, um, when he's healthy and consistent, he's, he's a very exciting player to watch. He's, he's a little um, zippy, nippy type player in, in the sense of he's got very good feet, he's quite quick, um, can play numerous positions, um, I do remember him scoring a thunderous goal from left back mm-hmm. um, against Minnesota. Um, I think it was in 2017, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he's he's very versatile and, and, and offers them a lot. So, um, and, and I think counts as a domestic as well because I think he has his green card. So, again, a, another uh, reason why you would draft him. So, um, again, look, a, a good draft from, from Nashville and... Um, you know, I, I was just surprised when I saw that the, they drafted Zarek Valentin. I thought to myself, great pick because he can play right back and left back and has done so successfully um, on an MLS Cup winning team with the Timbers in 2015. He's got boatloads of experience, has won promotion uh, to the top flight in Norway as well. Like he's, you know, he's got plenty of experience and he's still in his late 20s. He's, he's a good pick. Mm-hmm. So when they traded him away, I kind of thought, huh, 
That's a strange one. Okay. Yeah. Little did I know that they would then move forward and trade for Danny Lovitz right. uh, from Montreal, um, which I thought was a tremendous piece of business. Um, the, the allocation money that they gave up, I don't think was a lot at all for somebody who who started at left back for the United States last night. So yeah. um, Danny Lovitz was a, a, another good piece of business and, and the confusion became less of a conundrum when, when you, you saw in the end the, the trades that were made eventually after the draft. So all in all, I thought a very sensible draft day for Nashville. Yeah, let's move on to Inter-Miami. Um, I don't know if they're less sensible than Nashville, but, you know, you think of, we, we all anticipate them as sort of, you know, spending big. So I'm not sure exactly. They might have different goals with an expansion draft. I thought Lee Wynn was great great pickup. Um, you know, he's 33. So obviously on the older side, but, um, a vet. And again, you need those guys who just know the league like that. He showed a real ability in LAFC last year to adapt to different circumstances. Um, you know, he came off the bench, uh, worked in that central midfield. You know, I think he's, I think he's going to be a good guy to have around for them. Yeah. In terms of personality and in the locker room, I would completely agree. And he can play right through the middle as well. And when I say that, I mean, he can play at the number 10 if he needs to. He can play a box-to-box. He can even play a little deeper, I think, in a deep-lying playmaking role. You know, um, perhaps not the most comfortable there, but he but he can do it. Yeah, not um, a destroyer, but... Uh, no, know, no, no, no. More a, like a, a deep-lying deep playmaker, surveyor yeah. and playmaker. And yeah. much like a Benny Failharbor, you know, I, I absolutely can see him um, playing that role if needed. It's not his natural role, but I could see him doing it if, if asked to do that. So... Um, yeah, good pickup. Um, again, not entirely sure what his salary is, but um, you know, look, it's 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 a good um, selection in terms of boatload of MLS experience. It was was it 2017 where he got something like 20 assists yeah. and 10 goals or 12 goals or something. Yeah. You know, so uh, I'm not suggesting, nor am I expecting that that he will ever do something like that again. Um, but he is a, a very good pickup for Inter Miami, and um, now I'm just interested to see who they bring in to play alongside him in midfield. Yeah, I mean, we saw you know firsthand what a good, steady midfield presence presence president. I mean, Ozzy Alonso is kind of a president, but like <laughs> a guy like Ozzy Alonso coming in as sort of a vet to Minnesota United. Obviously, he brings a sort of defensive spine, which is not Lee Wynn's role. But I think we saw what. Um, you know, in his brief stint, Sam Cronin did in that first season for, for Minnesota United in terms of like a steadying veteran presence in the middle of the field. So I think Lee Wing can do that stuff. All right, let's get to Brian Meredith. I just, I was, when they picked him, I was like, who, who is this guy? He's played one game in the last three years. You said it, you can see what they were doing. What are they doing? Well, one MLS game. Yeah, one He's MLS played game. a boatload of USL minutes. Sure. A um, lot of people have played a boatload of USL minutes in the correct. last three years. Um, I can see what they're doing in terms of just having an understudy, having a backup goalkeeper. But like I said earlier on, Steve, I thought I thought there were a lot of other goalkeepers that would have been more obvious. And I must admit, I, I when I saw the the name come up, my um, I was utterly confused. I was scratching my head and thought. I, I guess I can see what, why they've drafted him, but I just think there were so many better options. Now, the only thing we don't know is is that you know. There's a salary um, convenience there for them. Um, I don't know if he's on league minimum or whatever. I, I'm not entirely sure. But the only other thing that was suggested as well is I think there may very well have been a collegiate connection between McDonough and Meredith as well. I don't know if that's okay. entirely true or, or how deep that connection goes, but that would also make sense as to why they drafted him. But, but ultimately, as we've said several times now, um, 
Evan Bush, Brian Rowe, Joe Bendick, Jeff Atinella, Bobby Shuttleworth. There was a slew of MLS experienced goalkeepers there available. Um, and, and if you would have told me at the start of the day that, that these two sides will both get a goalkeeper at the end of the day, I wouldn't have picked the two goalkeepers that were eventually ended up with, yeah. put, put into the roster. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess it's one of those things where like, you, you're starting to try to sort of pick out the shape of what they're building, you know, like how they're going to view themselves or how they're going to sort of array themselves in the field. And I, I, for, for inter, I don't really understand, you know, you know, my guess is you, they're going to be attacking, right? Like that's where they're going to put their emphasis. That's where most teams in MLS put their emphasis. They are coming in, uh, with what we think of as the profile of an Atlanta United or, you know, an LAFC where you're going to, it's going to be beautiful attacking soccer. Every team says that, but some of them can spend the money to do it. And we think inter Miami is going to do that. So if you're picking Brian Meredith as your, your backup goalkeeper, a 30 year old backup, who's played one MLS game in the last three years, um, are you splashing cash then on a, a goalkeeper? That seems yes weird. Yes, you are. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. I, I don't know who, but yeah, that's absolutely the, the, the thought process <laughs> I got from that. Cassius coming in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It's sort of one of those things where I was like, this guy, I don't know him. And then I, the, the, as they're talking about him, I was like, this is why I don't know him. You know, like you're playing behind Stefan Fry, first of all. So um, is that right? Was I right about that? No, yes, in yes. Terms of okay, no, sorry. I was for a second. I thought he was in the Timbers briefly. No, 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 no. I'm just making sure I have the right guy. Was never getting a game when Stefan flies in the form. He is. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so um, last thing about Inter uh, Miami, the they also acquired the number three pick in the Super Draft for one hundred fifty thousand dollars in gam, which is a lot of gam. That's a lot of gam. It is a lot of gam. Um, gam recognized gam. Uh, so they have the first and third <laughs> picks now uh, in the Super Draft. Do you think they're going to build through the draft. I mean, this is, you know, it's one of those things that I wouldn't expect from inter Miami, but you know, they've certainly, they've got some, some stuff there. Or do you think they're, they're going to move the first pick and then use the third pick rather or something like that? Uh, I mean, this is uh, purely speculation. Isn't yeah. It now? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I um, the, the draft day is going to be wild. I'm sure as it always is, but um, uh, you know, it, it's already starting to, to, sort of be that silly season, if you will. And, and you know, there are some whispers going around the league. And, um, you know, there are, I, I had heard, there are um, two individuals that Miami are, are wanting to take that they can't claim as, as homegrowns. Okay. Um, I see. McDonough really likes two individuals, which I, I won't mention the names. Um, and, and plus, I can't talk about them much anyway, because I don't, I don't really know much about them. Sure. Um, but it's been suggested that, yeah, that, that, there's two individuals that um, Miami really wants, um, and they are high on on just about everybody's list. So okay. hence why they've gone um, with with a high um, high amounts of gam over to Cincinnati for for one of the top picks. Sure. All right, uh, let's move on to international soccer. Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. Your friends. <laughs> why are they my friends? I don't know. <laughs> <They're> British. Uh, <laughs> parted ways with. Uh, oh, I've read his name a million times. Put. Mauricio Pochettino. Pochettino. That's what I was mm. going to say. All right, good. They part away with Pochettino and then hired Jose Mourinho. Mm. Your thoughts? I'm just going to clear out. I'm going to let you work on this one because I'm just, I, you know, like I, I, it's, it's all like a miasma of stuff over there in the EPL. Mm. And I know, I only know Spurs fans. Uh, you know, we had a Spurs super fan in the office, Brad Baker, for a long time. Yes. So I only know I dislike them because of that. Yes. Um, and... I feel like they, like they cause a lot of 
angst in their fans while being good and yet not as good as they should be. I don't know. Talk to me about 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 uh, the Spurs or Spurs, not the Spurs. Um, yes, two different types of Spurs. Yes, I know. I think of the <laughs> San Antonio Spurs. It's hard to get out of that mindset. So talk to me about Spurs and Jose Mourinho. Even before we came in to do this podcast, I was just making a, a cup of tea in the kitchen and, and um, somebody, one of our sales execs, asked me about it. Um, and I, uh, <laughs> I said, I know more Spurs fans in this country than I do for any other team in the Premier League. So instantly it makes me dislike them. <laughs> yes, exactly. you, you mentioned Brad Baker earlier on. They have um, a very U.S. soccer fan feel to it for whatever reason. I don't know. Like. Just they, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> they, um, I, I've, I've just been consistently, I feel like Spurs have bullied me the last couple of years. I feel like I've been consistently picked on by Spurs fans because Aston Villa haven't been very good over the last couple of years. Um one of those, as you mentioned, Brad Baker, our, our former um, director of broadcasting. Um, and, um, you know, there's a handful in the office here. Every time I go to, to a pub to watch the Premier League uh, downtown or whatever, there's always bloody Spurs fans around all over the place. And that's exactly what I think. I just think bloody Spurs. Like, <laughs> just, no, go away. Like, they just consistently annoy me. So um, <laughs> I get annoyed by Spurs. Um they play lovely football and I shouldn't get annoyed by them because they, they have produced some wonderful English players as well. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I have been made aware and I should thank Spurs for um, essentially helping England and the national team move forward. However, um, it's a strange situation because Pochettino is one of the brightest managers in world football right now. It's very easy to forget when when something becomes so familiar for so long, it's very easy to forget what you actually have. Sure. Um, and I think this may very well be one of those cases where if Pochettino goes and gets a job, whether it's in the Premier League or La Liga, the Bundesliga, wherever, I, I wonder if Spurs will live to regret this decision. Um, it's, um, it, I, I thought it was bizarre that he, that he was let go um, and let go when he was as well. I thought that was strange, but... Um, I understand the notion and the idea that when you hear what may very well be a consistent message from the same voice year after year after year in the locker room, that may get a bit stale. I, I understand that. And that's what people would suggest, I'm sure, for the main reason why Tottenham sit 14th in the Premier League table. Mm -hmm. However, this man got you to the Champions League final six months ago. What on earth are you doing letting him go? I, I don't understand it at yeah. all. Now, moving on to the incoming manager, Jose Mourinho obviously um, has had success wherever he's been. He has his critics. He, he plays a certain brand of football that people seem to dislike. People have to realise, though, He's won wherever he's been. Even with Manchester United, which was deemed a very unsuccessful spell, he even won the Europa League with Manchester United. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, to suggest that... Uh, and look, may maybe it's a sign of how far Spurs have come that they see getting Jose Mourinho in as, as a bit of... Um, you know, a, well, not a bit. Of, they see it as a major backward step. I think Mourinho... Um, will be okay with Tottenham. I think they will climb up and, and eventually finish 
sixth or fifth. I, I think they'll be okay. Um, I also give this 18 months max because Jose Mourinho had issues working with Ed Woodward, the, the GM at Manchester United. If he had issues with Ed Woodward, my word is going to have even more issues with Daniel Levy at Spurs. Sure. Um, who's who's um, satchel and, and purse where the money is has um, always uh, been synonymous with being very, very tight. Mm. So Mourinho has had money wherever he's been and he's used most of the time, he's used that money to uh, very good effect. So I'm interested to see. I, I didn't think Mourinho would again manage in the Premier League, I must admit. I thought he would go off back to Italy or, or Spain or at some stage I think we're going to see him in Major League Soccer. Um you know, so I'm surprised that, that he's opted to do this. And Mourinho knows as well that if he's not successful here, he already knows his reputation for, for whatever reason has been slightly tarnished, particularly in the UK. So I wonder if, if he doesn't do well here, if he's not successful here, that'll hurt the man. That'll hurt the, the very prideful character of Jose Mourinho. So he knows it's a risk as well. But I think when somebody dangles a rather tempting carrot like Tottenham Hotspur in front of you, you have to take it. Sure. Yeah, a couple of things I've seen are, you know, people point out that Pochettino sort of did what he did without really spending any money, like that, without bringing in new players. And so, and as you said, that's very much not what Mourinho is, is, is used to, having come from Manchester United and places like that. And also that, you know, to your point about getting to, to getting rid of Pochettino, that like if the, if your coach immediately becomes like the first man in line for a number of high profile jobs, maybe you shouldn't have fired him. Mm. Um, but I understand. I also, I'm also sympathetic to the fact that like you can change. One of the only things that's easy to change in culture in any team is the coach. You know, this is ownership rarely changes hands. Uh, management changes hands slightly more than ownership, but still very slowly. Players turn over all the time, and especially in soccer, not, no one player necessarily makes a gigantic... I mean, obviously, it depends on the team and things like that, but the quickest way to remake a team is to just change the, the you know, the, the coach, essentially, or the manager, um, depending on <laughs> your how you want to use... what kind of terminology you want to use. So I can understand, I can understand and appreciate that, um, you know, I think as you do there's always a sort of a bounce and we have a, you bring in a good coach, which is what Mourinho is, you know, hopefully the players respond and, and they end up where they want to be. But I think that based on the little I know about it, it doesn't seem like the shelf life on this is going to be all that long. I wonder now when the time comes, does Mauricio Pochettino end up at Bayern Munich? I wonder. Mm, interesting. We'll yeah. see. We'll yeah, we'll see. see. Uh, let's talk about, let's go back to the domestic uh, agenda here. We're just we're, we're continent hopping here. Uh, MLS All-Star Game 2020. Mm. New format happening at the Bank of California. Uh, it will be the MLS All-Stars versus the Liga MX All-Stars. Uh, I like this conceptually. I think that um, the, the idea of a team of All-Stars versus just one other team from Europe or something never really sat very well with me. It just sort of feels imbalanced and kind of weird. There's, there's sort of a feel that an All-Star game is supposed to have that's like a celebration, and it feels weird for one team to be like, we're celebrating, the other team to be like, we have to play this stupid exhibition in America. Hmm. Um, and so All-Stars versus All-Stars just feels kind of balanced in a way that is, is appealing to me. I think what's going to happen with this is there's going to be a little bit more of a competitive edge um, you know, I, I've only been in this country for a couple of years, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it always seems like the Americans want to get one over the Mexicans and, and, and vice versa when it comes to, to soccer, you know? Yeah, and, definitely. Um, and, and already I think the 
I saw a suggestion, and forgive me if this is wrong, I don't speak Spanish, but I saw a suggestion on social media that the, the president of Liga MX actually said on stage in Spanish that um, we are um, coming to, to hurt you, we are coming to um, uh, ruin the party on, on your 25th anniversary or so, something along I, those I think, lines. I think that was something, it was, it was along those lines. Which, um, great, bring it on. I, I love that because if it adds more intensity to what has been a glorified friendly over the course of of a long time. Um, I, I love that. And, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of it as well. I, I understand the reason for bringing over big European teams in the past. It was to obviously market the league and, and um, market the sport in this country. You know, I understood it, but I think we're probably, I, I, I can see the argument for saying we're, we're probably past that now. Um, and, and we pr would probably gain more from, from this type of thing. And um, yeah, it's uh, the fact it's going to be in Los Angeles as well. That fabulous Bank of California Stadium. Um, you'd imagine the crowd would be fairly split. Yeah. Um, I think it could be a good atmosphere. I think, as I said, it, it could be more competitive than ever. I think this is a really good step forward for Major League Soccer. Yeah, and well, you you know you see more and more. I feel like fr international friendlies for individual MLS teams against teams like. Manchester United, Correct. Chelsea, you know, like Liverpool, like teams like that. So if those teams are coming over to play exhibition matches against individual teams, the idea of them coming over to play against our very best players, it just sort of doesn't sit correctly. I mean, all-star games overall are kind of a weird thing. And I, I believe we've talked about it before, but, um, you know, there was a time when the all-star game was a chance to see things you wouldn't see at any other time of year. You see highlight play. And I'm just saying across all sports. I mean, nobody watches the NFL's, whatever it's called. I can't remember now. NFL has one. Yeah. It's after the Super Bowl. Um, oh, no, they no. have it like after the season and nobody really cares about it. You never know it was there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's there. Uh, but nobody really tries. Um, you know, the NBA has had the sort of marquee all-star game for a long time, but even they, I think, are, are, have suffered from trying to figure out how to keep it relevant uh, in a world in which highlights are available on demand constantly. Um, you see teams from all over the, the, the country playing all the time. Um, I, I've said before, I, you know, I grew up, I grew up as a Red Sox fan in Massachusetts. I never saw national league teams. I saw the Red Sox. I would see the Yankees sometimes because I grew up kind of close to New York state. So we would get Yankee games and things like that. But so when you would see AL and NL all-stars playing each other in the, in the all-star game, it was exciting. You know, it was the players you didn't see all the time, but now it's like, you see every player constantly. If you, at the end of a game, at the end of a day where MLS games are being played, you see all the amazing goals. Like you, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to search that stuff out even. So I think that there's the, I think that sports in general in an era when media consumption is at an all time high and sort of bite-sized highlights are at an all time high. What do you do to make it, you know, fun and engaging, but also maybe have a little bit of bite to it. And mm -hmm. I think that the, the, the Liga MX thing is going to be good. I think that, you know, generally speaking, Liga MX has the edge on MLS overall as a league, obviously in terms yep. of viewership and history, it's got that. But one of the things, you know, and we, I believe we've talked about this before as well, that one of the things Liga MX has is, is depth where MLS doesn't have that same depth, you know, from, from the top roster to the bottom. Correct. But if you're talking about an all-star game, some of that gets washed out. Like you mm. should, there should be a certain amount of comparable depth in those, Correct. in those rosters that have to play each other. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good game. We also, also MLS is Carlos Vela. So we have their best player, Mexico's best player anyway. So well, that's a debate for another day. I think that's, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> so hot. Wow. That, that is extremely hot. Take. Um, I, I, the, the one thing I will say actually, which is a real shame, uh, you may very well disagree with this. Um, it's a shame that we haven't actually got Zlatan Ibrahimovic for this kind of game because I think he would just be the perennial 
villain. I've already forgotten about Zlatan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be fun to see Zlatan play in the Austria game against Liga MX. Hey, so maybe definitely... he signs for a Liga MX club. Can you imagine the drama? Oh, my wow. word. <laughs> now that's a spicy Back one. Back in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. <laughs> what, uh, what Liga MX team does he go to? What, Monterey? Is that the um, favorite to sign him? If you went there. Wow. I mean, there's a slew, really. I mean, just about every one of them would take him, I'm sure. Sure. Um, Who's going to splash the cash is the question. Um, Chivas Guadalajara. Chivas, um, yeah. Maybe. Um, ah, no, actually, I'm not sure. I, I, Santos Laguna, Club America, maybe. Um, one, one of the bigger ones, I would say. Um, oh, that Santos Laguna doesn't really fit that category either. That's See, a tricky one. I'm mean, going to have to think about that one. Does Steve. he speak Spanish? I'm sure he does, yeah. I, I guess I would assume. I mean, I could also seem to be like, I don't speak Spanish. So I'm, not gonna talk, <laughs> I'm not gonna speak Spanish to anyone. Yeah, here. here's a suggestion. <laughs> if if Gignac leaves Tigres, Zlatan Ibrahimovic will go to Tigres. All right, I'm that would be so hot right now. <laughs> that would be <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, that's all about all we got for this week. Thanks for joining us for the 84th Sound of Balloons podcast, presented by Cub, whose produce produces pride pretty promptly. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. And follow the team on Twitter at MN. UFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. Hey, 